Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. This week, how easy or difficult is it to start a new news service? We're going to talk to Mark Little, the former RTE, Storyful and Twitter boss, about his collaboration with former Irish Independent journalist Anya Kerr and Paul Watson, their Storyful collaborator, on a new service called Kinzen, which they're starting here from Dublin. And they essentially want to cut out the noise and the junk in your everyday news consumption. So I caught up with Mark, Anya and Paul a short while ago. So I'm here with Mark Little and Anya Kerr of the company that was formerly known as Neva Labs and was now known as Kinzen. Um, Mark, just give me uh, just the 10 second version of what Kinzen is. Yeah, well, we're just giving people back a news experience that they control. So every day they take control of their news routine and they escape from the endless scroll and the kind of misinformation, manipulation that has come to define news over the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That really was 10 seconds. Okay, I thought you were going to go for at least 30. Um, Anya, at the end of the process, you're building out what is essentially a subscription service. Can you explain how that will work? Yeah, so starting uh, Tuesday, um, we're looking for people to join as the first members to come on board, either give us their time or their money. And if they're going to give us our time, is to help us build a community from the ground up as curators or to come in and test our test environment app over the coming weeks and, you know, find uh, what's broken and what needs to be better. Uh, or people can come on board as patrons and just make a financial contribution of maybe 30 bucks or 50 bucks. All of those people, whether you're a tester, a curator or a patron, by December through this work together, will then have six months free access to the app starting January 2019. All of those who help us over these coming months to co-develop Kinzen uh, will ultimately be its first members uh, and ultimately help us build something from the ground up. And that's the 22nd version is that, you know, we're not building just another app, that this is the basis of a news community. It's the kind of thing you would start from scratch if you could go back before the birth, for example, of social networks, knowing what we know that has gone wrong over the past 10 years, we've deeply learned those lessons. And that's part of what we're doing here is not just putting another app in the market, but hopefully through this group, laying the groundworks for a community from the ground up 
that will essentially hopefully avoid so many of the mistakes that we've seen for the past few years. And the way you described it to me before was essentially, uh, as my interpretation of it, was a high-end, peer-reviewed, curated news experience. In other words, that when you go onto it, you're seeing sources and discussions from people you might respect or who have somehow, maybe vetted is the wrong way, but they've come through the system as experts in their field. Is that, is that roughly right? Exactly. I mean, think about this in the, the context of your day. You get up in the morning, you get on the train, or you're on the bus, and you got 10 minutes. And you need to know you're going to get to the exact right people who reward your attention. In those 10 minutes, they're going to feel you feeling like a sense of power in your day. So we essentially are building what we hope will be a comprehensive set of sources that cover topics and locations. But rather than just relying on technology, we also want a bunch of people in there uh, who, because of their, their skills and their experience and their influence, can help guide us to the right sources, the right piece of information. So just like at the moment on any social network, there's only a tiny proportion of people who really actively build the sources and regulate the kind of conversations, animate the conversations. Difference between the social platforms and us is we want to help them bring in and build rewards. We want to see these people uh, rewarded and valued within our network because they're the people we believe will lead the rest of the subscriber base and the memberships members members of the of the service to the shared facts and so, the trusted sources. So just to expand a little bit on that, when you say rewarded, at the moment on a, a channel like Twitter, for example, you might get fifty or a hundred thousand followers, and that is seen by some as its own reward because it's a platform and they can support. When you talk about reward, are you talking about extending the idea of a Patreon style subscriber base so if an expert goes on there that eventually they end up being able to somehow monetize their experience is that what you're talking about eventually I mean the first thing to do is to take that effort that value I mean any one of us that's on Twitter that's finding good sources promoting positive conversations right now we don't get any real tools built for us we don't get valued by the network at Kinzen we're a community that values those authentic Can I just sources. ask you about that? Because a lot of people who use Twitter, and to be fair to Twitter, as much crap as it gets and criticisms it gets, it has proved to be fairly a fairly long-lasting platform. I've argued for years that that Twitter wasn't going to crash anytime soon because I'm, there, there are enough people now that regard it as a basic utility, particularly um, in the news business. But for those people who get a lot of followers, for example, on Twitter, they would see that as giving them um, a platform that ends up giving them platforms on other broadcasts, for example, or even within itself, because there are 350 million people, they would regard that act, they would regard themselves as playing a part in um, the public uh, the public sphere. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm only taking what Twitter has done, and I, yeah. uh, listen, Twitter changed my life. I work for Twitter. Right, you're my a managing whole, director in Ireland. My whole journey in my career was started when I was at prime time. And every day I get up and I'd read an awful lot about Irish politics. And I would go out and ask people on Twitter to give me questions back that I could ask of politicians in the studio. That transformed my whole way of looking at journalism. I had a relationship with the public that was direct and was so incredibly, uh, for me, fruitful. It made me a better journalist. So I've always wanted to see if I could take that kind of model for people who know something about a topic, who just happen to be the most informed and care about things, to develop relationships with other people based on trusted sources, shared facts, and respect for each other. And so, you know, Twitter has done a great job, and, and again, that's why I ended up working there. We're taking the next step forward and saying, if we could start from scratch on that principle of people with real influence and real knowledge giving back to a community, 
that's the founding principle, I think, in large measure of this part of our community, the curator network. On you, you worked, um, you were a colleague of mine for a brief period in the Irish Independent, I think a very brief period. <laughs> you were gone pretty much just as I joined. But you were a colleague of mine in, in the as a journalist for a couple of years. Actually, I remember one time we were on the Vincent Brown Tonight <laughs> program about seven years ago. You basically ran the whole conversation. <laughs> you're, way more, still, you're way better than me. Still doing that. Um, but you've, so you worked for the Indo, you, then you worked for uh, Facebook. So you, you've come from a background where a broad church with a lot of people either consuming it or using it mm-hmm. has led to a certain amount of sort of influence on the way the public thinks about things. How, how do you see what you're doing now? Uh, how, how would you compare those two? Yeah, I think all roads have led to this. Like I'm somebody who profoundly believes in the power of journalism and in its importance for civilized societies and its role in democracy. And I guess my time in Facebook, though, made me realize that there has for journalists and editors who love the industry, we thought too much only on the supply of our journalism and not enough on the demand. And so that was what was so refreshing about our approach for the last year was to say, we have no agenda here in terms of advertisers, in terms of publishers, to be frank for now. Our only agenda is people, people who feel overwhelmed that there's so much content online that you know their data has been compromised and that they've got cookies tracking them across the internet that they can't actually protect their own um, privacy details and settings. And so that has been the luxury this past year is actually to think about a different approach for the person. And we made a prediction a year ago that a correction was coming, that people were going to want to take back control of their news experience and actually start to build routine to become more productive. We talk all the time about this endless scroll. We're all guilty of this every morning of getting up, scrolling through apps and websites and platforms and really not having a a particularly quality or meaningful experience. So when we talk about starting again it has been that what does it look like if we were to build a layer on top of all of those platforms and apps and actually give you content that is quality that is relevant to you that you can have an experience that's free of misinformation and manipulation but that you also have the opportunity to broaden your mind and that's why this community piece is critical that while you come in and have content that's personalized for me around Monaghan football and startups and technology but that I'm also going to maybe come and join uh, Paul's platform over here his channel on cricket or marks on cryptocurrency and that I'm going to become more challenged and informed and that's been the key thing for us is actually every day to put ourselves in the position of average people and Hopefully by doing that and in understanding people's demand and need for quality content, we can also go on to do something meaningful and impactful for journalism. Now, we're also joined by Paul Watson. You mentioned Paul uh, via link. Um, Paul, um, can you uh, explain um, how this is going to work? Give me an idea of what you're doing here, uh, the, you know, some of the systems behind this, and maybe how that might affect what we will see uh, with Kinzen now going live. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's been mentioned a few times that control is at the heart of it. Um, so we will be giving users the choice uh, of what they want and when they want it and what format. So in the background, we're using a lot of the same machine learning techniques, a lot of the same algorithms and that that other platforms are using. But we're, we're not doing it for the demographics of the user or trying to maximize their time with the app. That's not our, those are not our metrics. Our metrics are their reaction, their quality, uh, their quality experience with the app, uh, with the news that they're consuming. So if they spend five minutes with the app in the morning, that's great as long as they had a good productive experience with the app. 
Um, and we're not going to introduce metrics into our machine learning algorithms that go try and get them back through all sorts of different measures, sort of dark habits that uh, have been employed elsewhere. Mm. And in terms of tonal, question I asked before, um, it, because a lot of this is curated and a lot of this is down to uh, trying to cut out disinformation, as I've understood um, all three of you so far. But many might ask, well, does that mean that I'm, you know, wh where does this sit on the Fox News on one side, MSNBC uh, on the other? Does it take positions on things? Does it, does it kick people off the platform for having uh, for certain views? Well, I think, you know, it's more of a proactive thing. We are proactively going out and obviously with partnership, with skill as well, with our own backgrounds, with Storyful, all three of us here and Shane Creevy, who joins as community editor. We're just looking to exclude people who we know have a track record of misleading, of consciously deceiving people. And now, that's when you say that, you, you're, yeah. are, you, are you talking about like Russian trolls, the, the what do they call the, is it the IRA? What, what's the factory they yes. have? out There's a troll factory they have. Is, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, particularly looking for people that are using the platforms right now, whether they be trolls or just setting up websites, pop-up websites to try and, you know, right. capitalize on some particular big issue and spread misinformation. It's that exclusion of the bad actor. That's the key thing that we're looking at in the source directory. We're not there to regulate the tone of conversations. We're not there to take a position on whether a liberal or a conservative source is the one you want in your feed. That's down to you and the community that's around you. So from our point of view, it's purely about, I mean, I'll give you an analogy. You walk into a supermarket, you expect the food uh, has no contaminants in it. It's not going to make you sick. Beyond that, it's your choice of what you buy. And in that scenario, I think it's a very similar analogy that we would make here. I mean, a company, sorry, Paul, did you want to ask? Sorry to interrupt. I just, on that technically, we are making provisions for you being able to add any source you like to the app, to, into your experience of the app. Um, but what we're not recreating are the social network platforms and the, all their incentives, which are all about sharing and you know, further engagement beyond your own network and you know, spreading the word. So we're saying that you can bring in your sources, but if that source is not in the source directory, then you can experience it personally and as a consumer of the app, but you're not going to be able to spread it further beyond the app. Um, with us. Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask, um, a company like Facebook, for example, has been getting hammered for 18 months for sources of disinformation. It has endless, vast resources to try and cut some of this stuff out. I'm wondering what it is that you will be able to deploy that you makes you confident you'll be able to cut those out. So take the comparison, it's a great one. First of all, the reason why information spreads so quickly is because of advertising. There, you know, the platforms have no incentive to use quality as a metric. They only want to make you feel some emotion. Take advertising out of the equation. Now you're one big, big step toward a solution. Secondly, as Paul just said, you know, we're going to be making sure when people share things, they're doing so with a knowledge and a conscious decision to share it. So for example, one of the things we're doing is you won't be able to enable sharing until you've read the article or at least two thirds of it. Then you'll be asked to give some more purposeful reaction than simply a thumbs up or a down or a clap. We're actually going to give you the chance to say something like, this changed my mind. So everything, the machine learning, the way we're setting this entire thing up is to make people think before they share, to make them feel like we can be the behavior we want to see in this community. So take away advertising, retrain the machine learning to respond to positive behaviors and conscious choices, and then get people to start thinking about what kind of community they want to build. I mean, that is, we're not saying we're going to overnight get rid of misinformation we're not saving journalism but i think those series of steps we would be the first platform to ever systematically introduce those kinds 
of not just checks and balances, but incentives. So what we're building from scratch is a community with a totally different set of incentives than the existing social networks. So that's what we hope. It's, it's actually the behavior of individuals that will take care of the problem, um, not some piece of technology that will automatically wipe out the bad actors. Mm. It sounds like a more disciplined, high-end, curated version of Reddit. A little bit on one on one uh, at one glance. It's without, interesting without to say. Like, I don't. Think, the guys may have a different point of view here. Like we, we're not saying like this is suddenly we're replacing everything else. I've learned an awful lot from like RSS feeds. Uh, I, I obviously I'm influenced hugely by my time at Twitter, where I thought TweetDeck, for example, which were power users of Twitter, use brilliant product should have been done more of. So I mean, definitely Reddit uh, and subreddits and the ability to communities to organize themselves. So we're inspired by a lot of good stuff. My feeling is that somewhere along the line for the last five or six years, the democratic potential of the internet was sidetracked into these ad-funded systems. So I think we're trying in some ways to reclaim the original democratic spirit that inspired platforms like Reddit and RSS feeds and Twitter to a large extent, and even Facebook. It just went wrong somewhere. And I think we want to get back to the point where social media was not a bad phrase. It actually meant something that was quite democratic. But then in terms of how this will all be sustainable, it's a subscription product. So at the end of, as I understand it, the, the site is live now. Um, the app will become live at the beginning of next year. And at that point, there will be a subscription model in place. Uh, something around $5 a month? Is it kind of like a Patreon-style? Yeah, model? that's ex exactly it. Anyone who comes in between now and December will automatically have that access for six months. Others only joining from January onwards. We're thinking around the four yeah. or five bucks mark. Right. Um, because ultimately, again, this is going to be their layer on their social platforms and websites. So this should be ultimately a service to them, helping them every day find relevant quality content and explore other communities to help broaden their mind. And ultimately, we're taking a different approach. Like if you think about the industry, how it's grown, and Mark talked earlier about, you know, we have no agenda around advertisers. So that means that our metric, our success here is going to actually be sometimes people spending only 10 minutes or five minutes or 20 minutes with us. We don't want people to come in here and lose half a day by scrolling through a lot of crap to get to the quality content. So it's going to involve a new metric from January that we're really excited to actually start talking about this concept of time well spent. What does it look like to spend your time well when it comes to news and information? Yeah, we think the business model, you know, clearly a membership fee is something that will sustain the business, but we're also looking to work with publishers as well because, you know, we'll give you a basic navigation service to get the best out of the internet every day, but we're hoping as well to bring you to publishers that have something more. Uh, and perhaps then we can work with publishers to offer extra subscriptions. Um, we could even work with partners around ad-free models to get people, you know, to, to be able to consume publisher content without these big pop-up ads. Um, you know, ad trackers, ad blockers. So there's a lot of partners we will work with through this app uh, that may offer other services for the users. And eventually we're hoping to make sure that this user experience can also be put into a publisher's website. So a publisher may put Kinzen into their website eventually, and someone comes in and gets this incredibly uh, elevated user experience, uh, which we've designed for them, but the publisher gets to have this loyal user who trusts them uh, have a much better experience of not only their content, but the rest of the open web, and that's the, the next stage of development. Well, we could talk about journalism uh, all day and, and technology. Final question, why do, the two, the three of you, why do you want to work 
in a startup? Why, why, are, you, why are you starting a, a company? All three of you are incredibly well qualified, could easily take comfortable, well-paid jobs with very reputable companies have a nice uh, life why why are we sitting in an attic um when you guys are uh, and you and mark you're committing some of your own money to this um what 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 what's the appeal here i'll start off i think we all have different answers we don't talk about it much mm. uh, we also just assume that we're here because you know we're here but like the one thing i've learned and i've been in journalism almost 30 years uh been in startup world 10 been in twitter from an attic in dublin you can build something that does change the world. And at my age, my time in life, there's just nothing more exciting to think about starting again, knowing what I know. And in some ways, it's like the Wizard of Oz. Have you ever seen the end of the movie where they suddenly realize the Grand Wizard is actually some old fella? Little or, guy. Li little guy. Yeah. And I think there's always this question that you have to ask before you start a startup or join one, which is, why me? Why now? And there's just an easy answer to that, you know, because we need to start again. And I think between the three of us and the team we've assembled, we have a set of skill sets that are, are unrivaled and experiences in any place I've ever worked, in any place I'd ever want to work. So Little Attic in Dublin, with a bunch of people committed to a mission, um, it makes total sense to me. <laughs> All right, okay, on you. Um, yeah, like that, um, I guess my question has, has been, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I'm very lucky to have done traditional journalism for seven, eight years, Storyful for five years, uh, Facebook for 19 months, working out of New York. Uh, and so I've seen this industry from a lot of different vantage points and taking all of those learnings to this moment to do something mission-driven, that element of start again. Like we've seen so many different revolutions play out in this industry, you know, around distribution, how we consume media, how we've lost our sense of routine around it. And it just feels this is the time there is... There's something coming of people taking back control, wanting that sense of routine, wanting to be informed and better understand the world around them. And I think if ever I could do it with these two guys, this was going to be the moment to take those learnings and start again. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, Paul, what's it like to be on the ground floor? Is it, is it about um, when you talk to particularly technical people, they often say things like the part of the appeal is to be to influence things, to build products and to, ha to have a stamp on something is is there something going on here with that oh absolutely like having change being able to change and shift the post it, it's that's a big appeal of it but for me it's like those alternatives you mentioned mm -hmm. they are either don't have the editorial or new sense that's you know i've learned through storyful days and which i really come to appreciate as a technologist or they're ad driven and their incentives are counter to what i'm trying to do with the technology so, you know, here I get to have the new sense, the editorial sense, but I've also got the freedom on the technology not to be driven by the metrics of, of advertising, um, which is, you know, pretty rare in the, in the Silicon Valley type world um, that we're in. I think finally I just add is that we're a second time around now. We've, we've got scars to prove that we've gone through tough times. Um, and I think ultimately going around the second time in a venture, you're so much more realistic and grounded and I think we're all kind of better people for the journey we've had. And so therefore, you know, leading a team the second time around, it's just as difficult. Like I compare it to jumping into, a, into the sea on a sunny day. You're paralyzed with the cold the first time. Second time is still as cold, but you're prepared for it. Um, and to have people around me like Paul and uh, Anya, and then to have a team that we're leading now, um, the second time around, we're just more realistic. I think a bit more grounded. We know where the mistakes have been made in the past. 
Um, and I think we, we can almost finish our conversations. Paul once said in Storyful, he said at one point, when we could say the words, that's not very storyful, and everyone understood it. That was the moment we became oh a real God, company. Are you, are you turning brand names into verbs? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's I think the culture, uh, yeah, no, when the culture, when you don't have to finish each other's sentences um, and you just get it without having to say it um, is one of the great things about the second time around. And I think also makes us probably better able to achieve the goals we have, even though they're ambitious, um, you know, they feel realistic. I, I'm going to not leave that as the last word on you. <laughs> Okay, so and what's the web? What's the web address? Kinzen. Kinzen dot com. Dot com. Oh, you got the dot com. Yeah, we Was did. Much competition for it. <laughs> <laughs> Less said about that, the better. <laughs> okay, that'll be for another podcast. So right now, this website is live. You're looking for curators, testers, and donors. Correct. Yeah, um, people can follow us on uh, Twitter. We are Kinzen. We're on all the available channels. Yeah. Um, and yeah, website is livekinzen.com. And yeah, we're just really looking forward to people's feedback. This is very much a learning process for us. This past year has been incredible of people giving us feedback, asking questions of us. And we really look forward to the next two months of learning. Okay, so Mark Little on your current Paul Watson. Thanks a minute for being on the Big Tech Show. Thanks, Adrian. And that was Mark Little, Anya Kerr and Paul Watson in conversation with me earlier. Well, that's all we have time for this week, folks. It's a slightly shorter than usual podcast, but uh, do come back and and listen to what we have for you at this time next week. So from me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, bye-bye for now.